Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Sunday. I'm here. Um, so I want to tell you about a couple other things uh, coming up that I'm super excited about. So Lent starts March 1st, so our Ash Wednesday service uh, will be Wednesday, March 1st, 7 p.m., right here. And uh, been talking with a bunch of other people about what the season of Lent can look like this year at Bay Marin. And uh, if you want a little sneak peek, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapters 8 and 9 uh, for the six Sundays of Lent and then Resurrection Sunday. Uh, so we're developing a Lent calendar. In fact, I have uh, my draft copy here that I put together where uh, I want to invite all of us as a community to journey through Lent together. And, and a part of what that looks like is I would love it if we're all doing some of the same things together. So uh, each text that we're going to be exploring together on the Sunday coming up in Lent, uh, I would love it if we're each reading through that passage together every day. Uh, they're short, take you two minutes. Uh, if you really want to reflect on it, you can take longer, and I invite you to do so. So we're going to be giving everyone a copy of this Lent calendar. It's also going to be available online, so it'll be easy to access throughout your day, wherever you are. And then there's some other practices on here that uh, I just think it'd be so much fun and, and uh, amazing if we as a community are doing these things together uh, as, a, um, as a community. So just to give you some examples, um, one on a Saturday, go on a hike alone or with others and ask God to speak to you through creation. Uh, write a list of things you are grateful for. Carry it with you and pull it out whenever you catch yourself complaining. Uh, take a moment midday, perhaps put it in your calendar, and be still and remember God is with you. So. Uh, We'll be making this available to you online and in physical form in the next couple of weeks and would love to have you join me and uh, us together in journeying together. And, and I think it's a way for us to recognize, oh, we're, we're a part of something bigger than just ourselves. We're a community on this Jesus journey together and uh, we're engaging in these practices together. And when you're reading that passage out of Matthew 8 or Matthew 9, you know there's a bunch of other people that are reading this with me today, even though they're not physically with me. So today we're going to dig back into Philippians 2, and as you turn there, I'm going to pray. God, thank you for another Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity to get to gather together to worship you, to sing songs, to open the scriptures and explore what your spirit is saying to us today. God, thank you for this table, uh, the bread and the cup, to remind us that Jesus gave his life for us so that we could live and live more abundantly. We pray that you would empower us by your spirit to do so today. In the name of Jesus, everyone said? Amen. Um, so, uh, I saw this yesterday. So for what it's worth, I personally think you should be more excited about church, uh, but I'm not a big sports fan, although I will be watching this. Oh, the kids, the children. It's, first, it's the first Sunday of the month. 
And the children are with us this morning, and so I want to invite you, children, if you'd like to, to head back to the tables. I had like three people waving to me. I'm like, hey, oh, you're not saying hi. You're telling me to get my act together. Um, so let's get our act together. Philippians 2. And we're in uh, verse 19. And here Paul is writing this letter to this Roman colony, Philippi, and uh, he is encouraging them to continue to live into the way of Jesus in the midst of the Roman Empire, which would tell them otherwise. Uh, and so Paul has been telling these folks in Philippi the best possible way to live, this way of Jesus, this way of self-giving love, this way of not looking to our own interests, but to the interests of others. And then he gives a couple of examples of people in his life who are living into this way of Jesus. In verse 19, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. So uh, Timothy is someone who's been traveling with Paul and uh, apparently is currently with Paul where Paul is. He, Timothy's not in prison, but Timothy is, uh, most scholars believe Paul was in prison in Rome. Uh, some believe he was in Ephesus. Most believe he was in Rome. So it seems Timothy is with Paul in Rome and he's able to visit him and attend to him. Uh, and so Paul says, I, I hope to send Timothy to you because there's no one else that I know that is as concerned for you as Timothy. Now, how, how is this so? Um, I want to look at Acts 16. In Acts 16, verse 1, it says, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. And so uh, this is how Paul came to know Timothy. In a visit to Lystra, he meets this young man, Timothy, who's a disciple of Jesus. And Timothy's mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Uh, so this is scandalous in the first century that there would be a mixed marriage like this, that there would be a Jew who married a Greek. It's almost certain that, uh, that Timothy's mother, when she married Timothy's father, she was immediately ostracized from the Jewish community. Uh, probably no longer welcome because she had intermarried, which was not permissible. And so this may be a compelling reason why Timothy's mother was so open to the gospel message because there was this new group of people who started proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah and Jesus as Lord and, and they were welcoming and inclusive and they said anyone is welcome into this movement. And so Timothy's mother who had been excluded now is included in this new movement, this Jesus movement. Uh, but his father was a Greek and uh, seems probably not a follower of Jesus. And so Timothy has been raised by his mother and his grandmother to live in the way of Jesus. And this is how Paul gets to know Timothy. And Timothy starts traveling with Paul. And then in verse 16 of Acts 16, it says, once we were going 
to the place of prayer. Oh, sorry, verse 11, Acts 16, verse 11. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. And so this is how Timothy got to know the people in Philippi, because he's traveling with Paul, and when Paul went to Philippi, Timothy was with him, and Timothy gets to know these people in the same way Paul got to know them, and Timothy deeply cares for this group of people as well. And so Paul is saying, I, I hope to send him to you soon, because the Philippian people long to see Timothy and to hear news of how Paul is doing. And, and Paul knows that Timothy will also then return and share with Paul how the Philippian people are doing. He says, so I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And so Paul is tapping back into something he's already said in chapter 2. In verse 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so Paul has been sharing with them the best possible way to live. It's this way of self-giving love. It's this way of looking to the interests of others. And then he says, and I have an example for you. I know someone who's doing that. And you know him too. It's Timothy. And I hope to send him back to you. Timothy is one who lives into this way of Jesus. So all this writing that Paul has been doing about the best way to live, he says, and you know Timothy. You know he lives this way. And I hope you will live into this way as well. I hope, verse 23, therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. So Paul is sitting in a Roman prison and he is not sure what his fate is. Whether the Romans will decide to kill him or to let him go. There's no in-between. They're not going to just sentence him to a certain number of years in prison. It's once his trial comes, it's either death or freedom. And so it seems that Timothy is waiting there with Paul for the trial to take place to find out what Paul's fate is. And once Timothy knows, he'll return to Philippi and share with them what Paul's fate is. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come back soon. But I think it is necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. So there's someone else who is with Paul while Paul's in prison, and it's this guy named Epaphroditus. Isn't that a great name, Epaphroditus? Uh, and so Epaphroditus, it seems, is from Philippi. And the Philippian people sent Epaphroditus as their messenger to Paul to send Paul word of how they are doing and to take care of his needs. So Epaphroditus is the one who came with the financial support from the Philippian people to Paul because in the Roman prison, you don't get three meals a day. 
you get what your friends provide for you while you're in prison. And so the Philippian people, out of their own poverty, collected money and sent Epaphroditus to go take care of Paul's needs and to buy food and to care for him so that Paul could be provided for while he's in prison. Verse 26, for he, Epaphroditus, longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. And so, uh, apparently, Epaphroditus got very sick and almost died. But he has recovered now and is well enough to travel again. So it seems that Epaphroditus is going to be the one who will take this letter that Paul is writing. And he will be the messenger with this letter, take it back to the Philippian people and give it to them so they can hear from Paul. And in his journeys, while on the way to Paul or while he was there, Epaphroditus gets really ill. Something I really like about this passage is that what, you know, we think of the Apostle Paul as this, this great missionary and saint and uh, wrote all these letters to all these churches, but something in this passage, it helps us get to know Paul a little bit, doesn't it? It, it helps us see Paul's humanity, that Paul himself was human and had human emotions. And here, he, he was uh, deeply concerned for Epaphroditus' health, and he had anxiety over this, which is interesting that he talks about his own anxiety and that he might have less anxiety because just a couple chapters later in Philippians 4, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So Paul, just a few paragraphs later, exhorts the Philippian people, be anxious for nothing. And here he's writing, I want to be less anxious about this whole thing. Now, this just helps us see Paul's humanity. Paul struggled with anxiety. Paul struggled with sorrow. Paul struggled with every human emotion you and I struggle with. Paul was human. It, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to struggle with anxiety. It's okay to struggle with your own emotions. It's okay to be human. It's okay. And we can continue to trust God and long to live more fully into the call to be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, offering everything to God. Uh, but it's okay. You, you have to give yourself permission to be human. You have to give yourself permission to not be perfect. No one's perfect. It's okay. And we can continue to go to God with open hands in our humanity, in all of our ugliness, all of our brokenness, all of our imperfections. And God says, I'll take it. It's okay. 
I've already taken care of that. Uh, God invites us into a deeper, trusting relationship with him. And to be okay with our own brokenness. And to allow God to continue to shape and form us by his spirit into the people he's created us to be. Verse 29, so then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. And so Paul is saying, I, I want to send Timothy to you and, and I'm going to send Epaphroditus to you because I care about you and I want you to be encouraged in the Lord. These things I've been telling you uh, about the best possible way to live in your relationships with one another. Live into the example of Christ Jesus, who, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but made himself nothing and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This, this way of giving yourself away for the sake of the world, looking to the interests of others, not just your own interests. Paul says, I, I know a couple of guys who live this way, and you know them too. It's Timothy, and it's Epaphroditus, and I'm sending them. They are people who are sent. And Epaphroditus himself risked his life. And so something encouraging to me about this passage is we see examples of people, real people, who are longing to live into this way of Jesus more fully. And if we turn to one another today, I think we could all share stories of people in our lives who are striving and longing to live into the way of Jesus more fully, to live into his love and to share that love with the world. Uh, this morning, I would love to share uh, an example of that with you. Uh, Jenna and I have dear, dear friends, Nate and Melissa Ledbetter. Uh, when we lived in Michigan, uh, Nate and I were co-pastors. Uh, he's one of my closest friends. Uh, we pastored together for many years. And then he and his family moved down to South Atlanta to live in the inner city of Atlanta. And they lived there for several years. And Jenna and I went down and spent some time with them down there. Uh, we went to Morocco with Nate and Melissa when they were considering moving to Morocco. Uh, they're just dear, dear friends of ours. And when they discerned that uh, their time in Atlanta had come to an end, they, they moved into uh, arguably the most violent city in the US right now, and that's Chicago. And they moved into one of the roughest neighborhoods in all of Chicago. Uh, and uh, they've lived there now for three, four years. Um, and uh, <clears throat> something happened this past August, late August, uh, to, to Nate, uh, while Nate and Melissa were out for a walk together and uh, Nate sent uh, a letter about that experience, and I wanted to read it to you, but I then realized I don't think I would, that I would make it through it. I wouldn't. So, this is Dimitri. Dear friends, thank you for your love and prayers. Melissa and I were going for a walk in the neighborhood Tuesday evening, and I was attacked from behind. 
beaten and robbed by about 10 to 12 men in their late teens, early 20s. I'm fine, and I'm still standing, and I'm taking time to heal as I woke this morning with another pounding headache. Somehow, God gave me the strength to stay on my feet without falling. It could have been much worse. Melissa is well and was unharmed. She's got mojo. And yes, it's true. I tried to share about our church during the beating. And afterwards, I had opportunity to share about the new job creation welding truck with a man who needs work, as the police were trying to convince me to go to the ER. Rather than cussing people out, why not plant a few seeds of hope along the way? In the words of Henri Nguyen, the most important question is not, do I kill, but do I carry a blessing in my heart or a curse? I'd rather choose the way of nonviolence. A few things are on my mind as I process the brevity of life. One, I love the neighborhood, the people of Chicago, and our church community. This will never change. If anything, this incident deepens my love for humanity in general. Two, I honor all who suffer in our community and in many other places and in all sorts of other ways. Many have lost loved ones in Chicago this summer, and my heart is with those who are grieving more pain than I'll ever know. Four, uh, I guess we skipped three. Um, to friends outside the neighborhood, please don't let this experience taint your understanding of so many amazing people in the community that we feel honored to call extended family. There are complicated reasons and causes for violence, and no, this is not limited to one particular culture. Five, to friends who stay in the neighborhood, may the community continue to lean in with the strength of God. I'm more convinced than ever that we will grow our restorative justice peace circles with determination and resolve. Retaliation is weak. Repairing harm is essential. Six, my children took it like champs with compassion and forgiveness as they process what happened. While some may criticize me as a father for where we have chosen to live over the years, guiding my children through the realities of life, we continue to play and laugh and process how to practice God's love as lifelong learners. I'm proud of my children and the people they're becoming. Seven, I'm convinced our world needs more places and spaces for people to process pain, emotional health, and healing while welcoming the stranger in a world of trauma. Hurt people hurt people. I choose forgiveness. Ultimately, I want to love well, no matter where we find ourselves in the world. A taste of Acts 14 came to mind in the ER the other night. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, presuming he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. And the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. They preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Toward peace, Nate and Melissa Mayfield led better. Thanks, Dimitri. So, my friends, Nate and Melissa, they were sent. They were sent people, like Timothy and Epaphroditus. Uh, and their most recent assignment was Chicago. And uh, I wanted to, uh, Melissa wrote something as well, but maybe we'll 
save that for another time. Um, I think one of the things when we think about these stories, we think about Paul in prison. Uh, we think about Timothy uh, in, in a dangerous uh, time in the Roman Empire traveling and Epaphroditus traveling all the way from Philippi to Rome and back again and uh, the, the potential death that awaits you in, in a long journey like that. Uh, think about Nate and Melissa in Chicago. Uh, and, and part of the danger is that uh, then we can say, well, look at, look at what they're doing. Uh, such dangerous, risk-filled things. Um, the danger is to forget that you and I are also sent. You and I are also sent. Uh, I, I can say, oh man, my pal Nate moved to Chicago. He was sent to Chicago. I was sent to Marin County. <laughs> so dangerous. Uh, every day I live with such danger. Uh, but you and I were sent as well. And we, as a community, we need to cheer one another on and say, I'm with you. You're sent. If you're a father, you are sent in your family. If you're a mother, you're sent in your family. If you're a spouse, you're sent into your marriage. Uh, if you're a teacher, you're sent into the classroom. If you're a student, you're sent into the classroom. Wherever you go, we are sending you. We send you into the city. We send you into the South Bay. We send you into the East Bay. We send you on that business trip. We send you in your business that you may own. We, we send you as a community. You, you are sent. And we, we send you as a representative of Jesus wherever you go. So just like Paul, just like Timothy, just like Epaphroditus, just like Nate and Melissa, you, you are sent to be a representative of Jesus and his way of self-giving love. And so this morning, as we take this bread and dip it in this cup, we remember that Jesus too was sent. It's Jesus we follow. So when we are sent, we are sent in the way of Jesus and Jesus was sent by God to come and be among us here in the world and we are sent to be his representatives uh, so this morning as you come and partake of communion re remember that we do this together we do this as a sent community in remembrance of him God, thank you for the examples of people who are striving and longing and desiring to live more fully into your way. The way of not looking only to our own interests, but the interests of others, and ultimately, God, your interests in the world. God, continue to shape and form us into the people you created us to be. Fill us with more love, more hope, more healing. And God, when we leave this room this morning, remind us that we are sent. We are sent by you and we are sent by each other. God, may we be a community that cheers one another on.
wherever each of us is sent. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.